I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program reality. Welcome everyone to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, John Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. Record our episodes live at Altspace every week, and you can join us for free, even if you don't have a VR headset. Yes, it's true. Just log into Altspace from your laptop or PC, in our event, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Today, for Futurosities, Flicks and Picks, we cover Free Guy, which is about an NPC who decides to become the hero of his own story. Here to help our conversation from mediocrity is Futurosity. Saving our conversation from mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm glad to be here, and this is going to be a fun one today. I just enjoy any exploration of the and just how multiplayer games connect with our day-to-day lives. So yeah, I look forward to this discussion. Totally, great. And uh, Adam here, it's nice to see you. Adam j- jumped in right from the beginning. Hopefully you uh, have some opinions you can share with us about Free Guy. Uh, before we start, a little uh, state of the nation. Uh, just yesterday we hit, uh, you know, I guess I should start by saying a couple of months ago, we decided to sort of amp up our YouTube presence and put all our videos onto YouTube and make that a little bit more of our priority. And yesterday we hit 400 subscribers. That's not bad. Get there. So our top Yay. video has over 52,000 views, and now we have 400 regular subscribers. So uh, kudos to Futurosity and Hero and everybody here. We're happy that we could get the word out. And even if we can only have, you know, at a time, maybe we have 100 people in the audience here maximum, we can uh, share much more with the audience outside of uh, virtual reality. So that's great. Excellent. Um, uh, but of course, Adam here gets front row view today. <laughs> he's looking around like, hey, wait, where, where are those hundred people he's talking about? Uh, <laughs> an early morning one. This is not our usual time to go. But, uh, but Adam, we'll, we'll get you on the podcast if you have some questions. All right. So uh, we always start with overall thoughts. And uh, I'm curious uh, your overall thoughts of this one, Futurosity. Well, just like the theme of bubblegum ice cream in the movie. This is bubblegum ice cream. It's a enjoyable, it's poppy, it's fruity and fun. But overall, there are certain things that are a little derivative because we've seen elements of these kind of movies before. You know, we've all seen Ready Player One. We've already seen, you know, other movies with similar concepts, but really interesting, fun environment. So you don't just walk away feeling fully empty. You walk away just like a little smile on your face and say, hey, that was a fun little experience. I had a good time. I was entertained. You know, nothing wrong with that for a nice pop culture fest. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you you nailed it very nicely. I feel like it's it's like a super solid execution to a great concept, and it's like it may not get me emotionally where it aims to get me, uh, and it may not make me lull a lot. Like I'm not like you know, it's not like belly laughs or something like that. But it's never boring. It's entertaining. It kind of delivers what it promises to deliver. Um, and you mentioned, you know, derivative for me, like the first 20 minutes is like Lego movie, like verbatim. Like, can they really do that without any kind of copyright uh, issue? Like, this is like literally what how, how they start Lego movie. So um, it's it, for me, it's really interesting to compare to Lego movie because that movie, I feel like, is so brilliant and devious. And like, the, you know, I, I, I love that movie so much. And, and this one is like, photocopy of a great movie just once removed from being like its own entity 
Um, but I do appreciate a lot about it. So I'm uh, eager to get into it and sort of uh, share the good and the bad. Um, yeah. And of course, uh, Adam or uh, anyone else, if you have thoughts, uh, uh, just use the raise hand option and uh, we will jump into it. So let's go straight into the plot here. Are you ready to do your uh, your wonderful exquisite plot uh, <laughs> explanations for us? <laughs> oh, yeah, let's dig in. Um, you know, you're very right about the Lego movie similarities because you start off in this world where, you know, fellow named guy he's a bank worker he lives a normal life that's full of routine literally it's a routine it's a subroutine he's repeating the same exact phrases he has catchphrases he has daily things he always does he gets his coffee he goes to work but his workplace at the bank is robbed on a regular basis not just regularly i mean multiple times per day and that's the thing he lives in this world called free city which is kind of like a slight truman show aspect He's living in this world. We all know it's fake, but we're seeing from his point of view of what a day-to-day -day mundane life is for an NPC in a world where there's bank robberies, violence, there's shootings, explosions. Well, one day, you know, he's just doing his thing, hanging out with his friend Buddy, who's a security guard at the bank. And once again, there is an extreme event. They get robbed. They move on. But he ends up bumping into a woman while walking on the street. He's singing fantasy, you know, the classic 1995 Mariah Carey song. You know, it's a big pop hit of the day. And once again, since an NBC has certain programs built in and that song is built into him. But somehow he walks by a user who's also whistling the same song. And that kind of not only opens up his eyes, but somehow possibly alters his programming itself. It opens up new possibilities more intelligent and independent all because of hearing that one song so when he has his next robbery which is once again a day-to-day -day experience he sees her outside and he realizes i need to talk to this person who's played by jody comer as the character of millie so in the middle of this robbery he decides to fight back for the first time usually they just drop to the ground wait it out have a casual conversation while all this violence occurs but this time around he takes charge takes the weapon and he says oh these sunglasses that the player characters use are actually a tool for them to see the full reality of this virtual world essentially it's almost like a they live style experience where you put on the glasses and you kind of see a filter on top of your day-to-day -day reality in this case you could see missions you could see the items you could see everything related to the game world that a normal player can see so he ends up pursuing millie and over time he tries to build a relationship with her. Millie believes that this fellow is just, oh, you know, just a random other player, some guy that has a low player class, doesn't have that many levels. So she just gives him basic instructions. Oh, just go do your thing. It, maybe we could hang out in the future if you can go up a couple levels. And that inspires him to play the game in his own special way. Because once again, this is a kind of a Grand Theft Auto style simulation, but he doesn't want to be violent. So he decides to be a good guy within this world to level up quickly. Well, Unbeknownst to him, once again, he's still an NPC and is unaware of it. The character is actually in the game to pursue a lawsuit against this huge corporation called Tsunami that actually runs the entire operation. And unfortunately, Tsunami stole the code from her and her friend Keys. Essentially, AI-related code that's the underlying point of the game. Essentially, the characters slowly become self-aware within the game itself. Every time he interacts with another NPC after his awakening, it starts to spread almost like a virally, you know, there's awareness that spreads across the board. 
I guess that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> you could say it in a nutshell. Show's over. That pretty much covers every detail. <laughs> we got it. Awesome. <laughs> um, I think that the, it seems to be a little jumpy. Um, uh, hopefully you guys could hear okay, Vivian. I don't know. Were you having uh, trouble hearing Futurosity or were you hearing okay? Uh, and then the screen is is okay, okay. And the screen is sort of jittery as well. So I don't know if it's an issue at Altspace today or not, but we'll keep keep rolling with it, and hopefully the audio will come through. Oh, all good. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, it was that was a great description, uh, and I, I totally agree. I love that you mentioned they live. Uh, I feel like it's it, it, it's Truman Show meets Lego Movie uh, with. Uh, the ideas of they live wrapped inside of it. And then I also have got a lot of like Pleasantville where the black and white characters start to awaken their minds and turn into color characters and things like that. So there's a lot of movies that are like this. Um, for me, the way that it was cobbled together like this, it, it reminded me of Elf, actually. Elf is like that Christmas movie with Will Ferrell. It kind of, it just captures the right tone and it captures this sort of happy sort of feeling for Christmas. It doesn't quite nail the the emotion in the end, and the reason for that for me is that it's it's just sort of like like I said before, cobbling together these different movies. So that for me is the biggest issue. But from a plot point of view, I feel like they do a really good job of answering all the questions in a way that is logical and fits the tone of the story. And every every answer, question I have, like oh well. How could an AI character, uh, why would they pretend to have love and romantic love and want to kiss somebody? And how could that make sense? But then I'm like, well, maybe it's an algorithm. And then like literally in the next scene, they're like, it was written into the algorithm. And the algorithm was, <laughs> was written by Keys and Keys was in love with a Molotov girl. And so it all kind of interconnects. And sure, the, the logic is like, it's, it's a fun, I, I just think it's such a great, fun premise where it's like, oh, you know, yeah, it's it wouldn't wouldn't it be cool if NPCs in a world came to life? And I just think that's such a fun way to do it. I think that the AR glasses is a fun way to do it. And I think that, you know, Ryan Reynolds is so good at this kind of tone. He can he sets he sets it up that it's like it's almost like a cartoon world, but in reality, uh it with real with live actors. So it's kind of like you know, just sit back, relax. Don't think too deeply about it because it's just a cartoon kind of, you know, popcorn type movie like you were mentioning. But at the same time, you know, if you really wanted to dig in, there's some stuff in there. We've thought through all the angles and we've come up with some answers. And, you know, uh, it's it's perfectly, uh, perfectly fine and perfectly great. And it, it, I think it successfully sets out to do what it set out to do, which you can't uh, blame it for. Oh, I fully agree with that. I mean, we have to give the filmmakers credit because it's a rarity right now for blockbusters to have original ideas. You know, Matt Lieberman was the original story writer, and I believe Zach Penn joined him later on for revision on the script. But this movie is one of the few fully original screenplays for a budget of its size in a couple of years, it feels. Um, you know, it was a Fox release, and then, of course, Disney bought them out to be a Disney release. But it's just amazing to see people just, you know, flexing a little bit. I mean, I hope this opens up opportunities for other writers studio system because I'm starting to get tired of, you know, franchises, remakes and adaptations. It's kind of nice to say, hey, here's a fun pop movie made from just one person's original thoughts, you know, sitting at a Starbucks and ooh, idea comes to mind, goes to paper and it ends up being this multi-million dollar film. So I have to give them credit for that. It was quite pleasant. Absolutely. And, you know, the director, Sean Levy, 
you know, this guy gets a lot of original movies made. You can love his style or not, but he knows how to make a commercial movie or TV show really hits and he doesn't only do this type of comedy so obviously his biggest hits were like night at the museum franchise uh and he did like cheaper by the dozen back in the day and this kind of fits into that category where that style of humor but don't forget that he also produced arrival which is an incredible sci-fi movie right he also did the spectacular now which is uh, i think an adaptation and a moving uh story as well and not to mention for television he did stranger things he 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 uh, shot uh, a lot of the episodes for season one, and he was the executive producer on Stranger Things. And actually, I noticed a number of the actors in here from Stranger Things. I, I don't know if you noticed, there's that uh, Joe Curie plays Keys, and he plays Steve Harrington on this on Stranger Things. And also the um, the geeky guy who's uh, living in his mom's uh, house, uh, not paying rent. That guy is also <laughs> in Stranger Things season two, episode one, where he plays the guy who's the expert in the video game arcade. So he's sort of like, his right. spot. but uh, yeah, I love that Sean Levy is able to bring over uh, and cross pollinate a lot of his actors. And he certainly has captured um, the uh, popular imagination, whether it's super high concept comedies like these or darker stuff like Stranger Things or like prestige intelligent sci-fi movies like Arrival. So he's clearly got something going for him at 21 laps. Great culture there and is able to um, branch out across a lot of different genres and hit hit a market that seems to get an audience in there, even if they are based on original ideas. So kudos to Sean Levy for that. We shout out to Sean that he is a Canadian from Montreal, Quebec. I got to always mention if they're Canadian. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's got that. Uh, and Ryan Reynolds, uh, yeah. too. Hey, this whole movie's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, true. Was there any, yeah, was there any part of the plot that, that bothered you or anything like that, or you just felt like it all flowed together? Well, I like that it followed almost like a domino effect styled storytelling. You know, it, they given us all the answers we know hey you hit the domino it knocks over the next one it knocks over the next so forth they really did reveal clues slowly but surely you know the mystery of the world unfortunately all of us already knew about the mystery but we had to see the perspective of guy the existential crisis of learning that you're an npc that was one thing that bothered me because they didn't really tap into it as deeply as i would have hoped I keep thinking of the Truman Show. Um, I remember when I read an earlier version of the script, and it was a much darker, scarier kind of film, experimenting with the rules of the world and possibly do things that might be somewhat antisocial, violent, or somewhat scary. Unfortunately, Guy, he didn't really have that moment of existential crisis. He just kind of got a little sad, you know, moped around, told a couple people nothing's real, and then kind of moved on with it. I, I wish they gave us a little deeper explanation of his feelings. I mean, even though he's an AI, I wanted him to be a little more fully fleshed out in that way, just to have a moment of crisis of sorts. I didn't see it. But overall, it hit all the high points. I mean, for a pop fun movie, you know, you're having popcorn. This was the, one of the first movies I saw at the theater post-pandemic, mm -hmm. I remember. So it was definitely an experience. And I think that's why I kind of value the movie a little bit more than if I just saw it on home video or streaming first, because it was my first time at the theater. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm back in the big screen. I'm back with other people. I could have a shared movie experience. So I, I kind of forgive them for not really going that dark. And I totally agree. Uh, I will give you a counterpoint, though, as to how they could have pulled that off. The Lego movie. In the Lego movie, the Lego guy falls into the real world and discovers that there are human beings and he's just a toy being played with. 
And that is like a serious existential moment. And I feel like that was almost derived from the original Toy Story, where Buzz discovers that he's a toy, that he has this existential crisis. So movies that have the same light, very bubbly tone can still pull that off if you execute it, right? And if you kind of commit to it, and it, could, it, it, it just adds to the layers of the story. Like, how cool is it in the Lego movie that they break they don't even break the fourth wall. They break dimensions like out of like, uh, you know, an <laughs> animated movie into a live action movie. How cool is that? So I, I do feel like maybe I'm always comparing it to Lego movie. How did Lego movie do it so well? And then this movie sort of like be good, but not great. And it's like taking risks. I think taking risks with the comedy and like Lego movie kind of like isn't afraid to jump out of the box every once in a while and shock you and surprise you. With their their humor and their stories whereas this feels like very very safely inside the box it's like they don't want to offend anyone they don't want to turn anyone off they don't want to give any kids existential nightmares they just want to have like you were saying like a <laughs> bubblegum movie or like it's like a movie at one of those um uh those houses where you go into the balls of plastic balls you just like jump into the plastic balls there's nothing no sharp edges <laughs> that can hurt you right it's just like we're gonna have a nice fun afternoon um and and like i said you can't blame sean levy for doing that he's obviously found great success at that uh but doesn't mean that i don't have to i, I, I you know doesn't mean i don't love like a movie more for what it will do and appreciate it more for the risks it's willing to take uh, all right, so let's move on. Risk to and rewards. Here. Oh, sorry, what was that? Oh, I'm sorry. We just had a silent moment. Oh, please. Yeah. So okay. So let's jump on to characters here. So uh, there's a few characters talked about guy. I mean, we you know he's just sort of this living life is a somnolent state. He's sort of sleepwalking through everything, says the same things, gets the same coffee every day, and then he gets awakened by a Mariah Carey song and a love, right? And we learn later on, which I love the explanation for, that he's got a, a decision tree that he follows every day. It's just like a singular path. But when he sees the woman of his dreams or the love uh, uh, that he's programmed to love, it opens up an entire... Uh, entirely more complicated decision tree where he can have all free will uh, and be able to choose what he would like to do and have all these other uh, permutations of of his options. Um, I think that's a really cool moment. And it was a really cool explanation. And I love how they visualized it, uh, especially near the end. Uh, obviously, we've given a lot of spoilers already, so it's too late for Teddy Wood to leave. But um, where they show, they give a visual of the decision trees and of the paths he's able to follow and how it kind of um, just had this Cambrian explosion of possibility. And I think that was really neat. I actually enjoyed that because some people complain when movies over explain, but at least these visual methods to explain the entire point of the movie and how the rules worked and the overall operations. So I have to give them credit because they didn't just say it, they would show it. Um, a lot of films, unfortunately, would have just given us, you know, a sit down and, you know, have a character do a monologue about all the rules, et cetera, et cetera. But at least this time it was always reinforced visually, which I absolutely loved. I mean, it's definitely keeps your attention. You know, this isn't the movie you sleep on or play around and do other stuff. You actually get engrossed after a certain point just because, hey, you start to care about the characters, even the NPCs. You know, when we talk about those decision trees and how, you know, essentially a guy, it's almost viral. You know, he talks to the people and he throws one thing out of the blue. It's like even the coffee shop lady. I started caring about the coffee shop lady because she saw 
he says, I want to make a latte. Like something that simple, that simple change from just the same old coffee with two creams, two sugars versus let me try to use my craft. Um, Because I think a lot of times in everyday life, a lot of people are stuck in this cycle of, you know, you go to work, you go to sleep, go to work, you go to sleep. And even something as simple as changing a tiny part of that routine can reaffirm what you like about your job and just life in general. So it's like, why don't I experiment within the confines I have just to have something new, have a little bit of novelty and variety. So overall, I actually like the NPC characters just because of that. You know, as you learn more about them, they leave their subroutines and start becoming more fully fleshed out people of their own. That, that was enjoyable. Yeah. The same goes for uh the buddy character called buddy who has a, he has an interesting <laughs> angle too, right? Which is that he doesn't want to step outside of his subroutine, as you would say, because he wants to spend time with friends and that's all that matters is being there for his friends and helping his friends. So why would there be anything more than that? And that's sort of like a touching way to stay inside the box. Uh, yeah, you know, and you can't blame him for that. Interestingly enough, again, like going back to Truman show, the buddy character is nefarious and is deliberately Truman inside the box. But in this case, again, they shave off the edges and that character is holist, uh, you know, uh, altruistic of heart and really wants to do the good thing. And then in the end, sacrifices himself in order uh, so that the world can be saved. And that's such a, it's such a nice moment as well. It's probably my, you know, maybe if I had anything close to an emotion in this movie, that might've been the moment. Um, and then of course, again, to shave off any kind of rough edges, he re- reappears in the end and everyone's happy. And it's like all glorious. And now he's expanded his mind as well. Um, so, you know, uh, that, that character was kind of neat. Um, let's talk about, um, uh, Millie and Molotov girl as well. Uh, what did you think of, of her character? Well, I actually liked um, Millie's overall arc in the movie because at first, you know, she's like the, the tough, you know, badass, you know, video game character, but she starts to break through her shell over time. You know, she starts to warm up and realize, hey, you know, she's less goal oriented because at first it's all about finding the evidence for this lawsuit. But then she realizes there's a little bit more to these interactions that she's having. And overall, I liked her arc. You know, she realizes what was in front of me was the love of my life. And the fact that it took her so long to see it was a nice little arc for her. When she suddenly realizes the reason why Guy, she fell in love with Guy was because she's actually in love with keys. Um, Just that alone, you know, I I really enjoyed it. It's just, it it felt sweet almost, you know, and also I loved her awkwardness, you know, where suddenly Millie is like, did I just kiss a digital character? I mean, that was just a hilarious sequence when I gives her a kiss and she's like, (laughs) the question is, is there a button for that? (laughs) You know, just the awkwardness and just her opening up and realizing there's other possibilities about reality itself in many ways, because you realize this is another reality within the game. And some of it starts to cross over into her real life. Quite enjoyable. I I thought it was lovely. Um, You know, Jodie Comer's um, interactions with Ryan Reynolds. Um, I just thought she was a great actor. And I almost want them to do a little more work together because they really had a nice little bounce back and forth of their dialogue. And they had a nice little energy and intimacy of sorts. Even though it was a PG-13 family film, it did feel kind of, quote unquote, hot sometimes, you know, as far as their interactions. Well, I could kind of see why someone might fall in love with this NPC. I thoroughly enjoyed her. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like also that uh, her key statement was basically that they both started out in the background and that's why she liked Guy so much. And the, it's sort of keeping on thematically on point where 
she felt like an NPC in her real life where she was the mind behind the mind. And she was, a, she was sort of, I guess, kept in the shadows by Antoine who took the project and kind of stole their idea and, and got all the credit. And she was the mastermind who didn't get any of the credit and kind of was trapped in the background like an NPC, not in control of her own life, not able to fill her own destiny. And so uh, by meeting Guy and seeing how he could break out of his programming, it allowed her to break out of her programming and become the hero in her real life as opposed to, so it's almost like Millie was the one who kind of got walked all over and Molotov girl was the alter ego who could like wreak havoc in the virtual world. Then Molotov girl and Millie kind of fused together and she was able to become more brave and, and courageous in her real world and take charge. So, so I, it's just these little moments, but very nicely thought through. Clearly they went through the script and they thought through all the details. Um, I guess that brings us to Antoine, who's the only, the other sort of major character. It was awesome to see Taika in a different type of role. Uh, Adam agrees. He seems to to like Taika's part. Uh, Taika's part. Um, what did you think of him as a villain for the first time? I don't think I've ever seen him as a villain before. Well, uh, well, technically, he was an imaginary villain in Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> you know, that, that's oh, yeah. definitely but the oh, more yeah. that right. was a villain, <laughs> technically. Right. But as far as right. the role of a villain and actively, you know, altering the life course of the characters in this movie, it, it was it was it was fun to see. I mean, essentially, it's that valley, you know, that super dude bro who's just essentially trying to show off um, their insecurities by creating this weird barrier around them. I mean, it, it was just comical. It's like, oh, you know, were you at Burning Man? No, I'm right here. You know, he's, you know, we could tell he's living that freewheeling multi-million dollar lifestyle and he's essentially using all these workers. I mean, it was just hilarious how many times he's like, oh, I'm saving a couple thousand dollars by doing this or I'm saving money by doing that. Um, his sole focus is about the money and not about the artistry and how the technology connects with people. So I liked the contrast between Taiko Tita's character and Millie and Key. Millie and Keys were trying to develop virtual worlds that lacked violence. You know, um, it was more about experiencing and viewing the lives of digital characters that had their own freedom versus using digital characters, essentially targets. And that's the big difference. You kind of saw like the difference in values overall. So I, Taiko Atiti on screen, I instantly have a grin on my face. So I can't help it. I, I like him in almost everything he does. Yeah, I feel like it's like, he's like okay, just get a long lens, or oh, sorry, a wide lens. We're gonna let Taika just improv, and we're gonna capture his full body, and then we're gonna cut it into the movie, and it's gonna get laughs, and that's that. And I think that's what <laughs> they did, and I think it worked. And like, you just gotta let Taika uh, uh, free and let him go, and and uh, see what he comes up with. And I, I, you know, I always love seeing him as well, and it was it was great to see him in this movie. Um, you were talking about the tech, so that kind of brings us uh, to our next one, which would be uh, the technology of the movie. Uh, what did you think about the technology? It, it seems like some of it is not so far away, and some of it maybe is a little further away. How do you think of it? Well, I mean, it's worked at multiple levels, because we talk about augmented reality glasses um, within the game world. So it's kind of neat that we're in a game, and we have another reality within as well so it kind of worked in multiple layers 
years of reality. That was quite cool, fun and enjoyable. But also just the multi, you know, multiplayer, massive online games, like, you know, Fortnite or, you know, World of Warcraft. It was nice just to see another version of that within the film. Um, many times we don't get to see that in movies. You know, usually when they show gamers and gaming in general, they kind of just, you know, gloss over all the details. So it was nice to see a more fully realized version of a game, you know, in the menu system and seeing how, you know, people could get power-ups and, you know, the social interactions and also just how we have this network society now in which we could see, you know, other people play games via Twitch and YouTube and just that wider world of, you know, being a spectator for the technology as well. I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of the movie. I mean, I even recognized a handful of streamers and I, I didn't feel too old because at least I recognized two of them at least. So mm-hmm. that was kind of nice too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, um, as far as the tech goes, like I feel like that augmented reality stuff is right around the corner. I don't know, but but, but let, let me, let's just break that down for a second because I think they, they, they made an interesting choice, which is that the glasses actually do nothing because the characters in the real world, the, the players in the real world, are, it's not they're putting on the glasses and then they're in the world, right? It's like they're just playing on a keyboard. So why do they have glasses in the in the fake world? But anyway, I think it's because they wanted to <laughs> merge. They wanted to merge together the idea of augmented and virtual reality, but then they wanted to show their faces in the real world. I'm not quite sure, but in any case, I love that idea. And I think it's I don't know, maybe five years off that we're going to get augmented reality glasses that turn our real world into a game. Maybe um, the AI, I mean, Emda just recently, the guy, the Google employee got fired. Uh, the engineer got fired for saying <laughs> that Lambda has gained sentience. It was able to have a, a meaningful conversation with him. And um, so that's kind of creepy. And of course, it's just a text bot. And it was and they've shown that actually it was there was a lot of leading questions that made the AI answer in that way. But it's happened starting like, it'll, OK, maybe that's 20 years away or 30 years away. But like, I believe. <laughs> They're gonna you know, thirty years from now. They're gonna look back at this time and be like, "Wow, the guy was so ahead of his time to realize that a video game character could come to life because of their uh, complexity or their algorithm or something like that." So, I think it's I think it's all really fun ideas to deal with. Um, and I, I didn't think there was anything in the tech that was like, "Oh, that's just something totally outlandish that would never happen." I also think it's really cool that the secret code embedded within the game. Could only be seen in the reflection of a uh, of the um, window blinds, which is such a cool yes. idea. Because knowing a little bit that I know about world building in old space, you know the re- the reflections is uh, is something that you can uh, bake into the world. And so the fact that they had baked it in and forgotten to scrub it out kind of makes sense to me, actually. Um, and so. I don't know. I thought that was really clever and that they had to get to this promised land where uh, instead of having, you know, um, this city where everyone at crime runs rampant and everyone is sort of enslaved to their job, they get to go to this wonderful place that is looks like it's environmentally friendly and it's, you know, sufficient, <laughs> energy sufficient and all of this kind of stuff. And there's no crime and everyone just gets to hang out. Uh, kind of like alt space, I guess, right? So they're trying to build like the futuristic version of alt space. Um, so I, I appreciated all that stuff, the clever little touches that uh, made it worthwhile. And also, just going back to we talked about they live and the the glasses, you know, revealing layers of reality. I really liked that one sequence where um, you know Ryan Reynolds' character Guy was trying to offer Buddy 
the glasses for the first time and buddy just showed his fear he just said i don't want to see it and of course you know remember they live they had the ultimate fight you know between roddy roddy piper and keith david you know they beat each other up for like 15 minutes straight they didn't have that they had more of a you know gentle moment just saying hey it's okay you know because some people aren't ready to wake up from the matrix just yet so it's kind of nice that there was that you know more empathic moment it's like you can't force someone to see reality as it really is you gotta have to wait until they make the decision so i like how they reflected that with the technology where it's like hey can see it just put this on but wait until you're ready for it i mean i augmented reality in general that very soon i mean there's gonna be many aspects of day-to-day life where we just put on glasses and we're gonna be able to things look any way we want so it's gonna be interesting when how people choose to see reality via augmented reality we could look at everyone and have certain kinds of clothing certain environments i mean so many choices so i did like the fact that this movie kind of tapped into it gave us a chance to think about it didn't go too far you know because sometimes sci-fi has trouble where they attempt to recreate what they believe the future is going to be like. In this case, they just use contemporary technology and just augmented it just a wee bit, just saying, hey, we already have our laptops. We already have gaming PCs. Um, you know, the most unrealistic thing about the movie was the fact that, you know, Good Morning America will be doing live streams of video games and commenting on it. But other than yeah. that, technology-wise, I thought it was pretty close to reality. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, and that brings us kind of to our final point, which is the the point, uh, the theme of the movie, what they're trying to say, the message they're trying to say. We talked about it quite a bit, so we don't need to remember too much. I mean, obviously, um, you know, in charge of your own destiny, be the hero of your own life, be passive, don't be just a, a non-player character, uh, make choices, step outside your comfort zone, uh, don't be brainwashed by society to, uh, ha- you know, hammer you into a certain role and be free to to uh, explore other options in your life. Don't be a victim. Um, you know, uh, you can be whatever you want, and anything's possible. And I think that that's a, a great um, lesson for uh, virtual reality to convey. I think that that's just like, yeah, we can we can step outside of our programming, and we can um, we can be a bigger, better version of ourselves in virtual reality. And then hopefully you can take what you learned there and bring it back to your real world and uh, use that to expand your, yourself in that world as well. So uh, yeah, pretty clear message. Every, it, was, it was on point uh, with uh, all the characters and all the arcs that we saw. So um, yeah, but it was great. Any, any other thoughts on also, the scene there? Well, I mean, overcoming fear. That's the one huge element, because when you overcome fear, you have freedom. When you overcome fear, you have true happiness. And that was the nice element of the movie, that one little message. I mean, hey, if someone wakes up, quote unquote, I see in this movie, it's done its job in many ways. Because I keep thinking of the Buddy character's arc, you know, and Buddy's ultimate sacrifice, temporary sacrifice when he you know, vanishes out of reality for a split moment on the bridge. You know, he just says... I'm done being afraid. And that's when he finally opened up about the fact that he acknowledges what kind of existence he has. He accepts it, decides to move forward in life. I think that's a great message overall because happiness, what is it? It's really about not just comfort. You know, comfort doesn't necessarily create happiness. You know, happiness is really about self-fulfillment and knowing your limits and trying to go beyond them. So that's the one part of the movie that you know really stuck to me. I'll be honest, I, I got a little tear in my eye, you know, when Buddy said a little speech from disappeared. I'll be honest, I was like, oh no, Buddy. But then they kind of cheated it by bringing him back 10 minutes later. But I mean, it really did feel a moment right there. 
Absolutely. Oh, it's true. Uh, and uh, I guess that brings us to. Wow. 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 We get to we get to finally find out what our scores are. Usually we're on opposite ends of the spectrum and then we come in with our scores and they're sort of similar. I don't know who gets to go first today. Let's let you go first today. All right. Well, I'll say my wow score overall. I think I have a more of an emotional connection because this was my first theatrical experience in a very long time um, during the lockdown. So just story wise, I would say I'm about a seven and a half. I mean, it's a greatly rewatchable film. I've watched it maybe like five times or so, I think, um, just in the last couple of months since it was released. Um, you know, it's an enjoyable pop fun movie. And it reminds me of the best of Ready Player One and some of the best parts of Truman Show. It's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of movies I enjoy. So it's it's a nice viewing experience. But of course, it wasn't amazing, but it was good and it was well crafted. And hey, it's pop culture entertainment. If it makes you laugh, it gives you a couple tee aha laughs. A nice, hey, it tickled me. And I enjoyed it all the way through. It's not a movie that I wanted to pause. It's a movie that I wanted to, hey, I want to see that one more time and kind of pick out the little pieces I might have missed. There's a nice piece of it that's kind of hidden for average viewers. So I have to give them credit. 7.5 seems about fair. It's, it's fun, entertaining. It doesn't sit with you for hours. But at least when you walk away for a couple minutes to say, hey, I had a good time. You should see it too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with all those. I feel like it's uh, it, it, all the things we talked about. It's fun. I love the lightsaber moment. You know, they're able to do some kind of pop culture things. It was a little Ready Player One, but like totally, totally got it. Uh, and um, I thought that um, basically the it worked. It was a little derivative, which is the problem. For me. It doesn't get jump outside the box. It, it's it's sort of what you're saying. It's like it's like it goes down very easily, but then it goes out very easily as well. It kind of like is one of those uh, popcorn kind of movies. I feel like if I was 10 years old, I'd be watching this over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I will say this, being a writer myself, I really wish I came up with this idea. I'd been toying with <laughs> ideas like this. I never would have gone this way because it's a little too pop culture for me. Like the fact that it's basically Grand Theft Auto uh, come to life. Um, I would not have gone that angle with it. Um, and so this, I, I never could have come up and executed this movie in this way. Uh, and I can see now like, oh yeah, probably my sensibility is slightly more dark and a, you know, a little bit more Philippian <laughs> or something like that. Um, but I do feel a little jealous. I read the script back in 2017, I think. I was like, oh. Damn it, those guys, they stole my, yeah, the thing I was working on. Uh, and, and I could see how, though, that they did a great job with it. Uh, and so, you know, I'm giving it a 7.7. .7. I actually topped your score, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm giving it a 7.7. .7, enjoyable, solid entertainment. It gives you what it promises to give you. It, 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 it uh, doesn't try to be anything it's not. Let's just say it, let's just say it like that. There we go. We both uh, both give it a pretty pretty good score. Um, yeah. Anything else to add, or anything uh, that uh, you want to say before we go? Well, um, one last thing about the visual effects. I, I enjoy visual effects when they don't try too hard to go for full photorealism. I like it when it's they try to follow the physics and the feel of the world that it plays in. So that's one thing I have to give this movie credit for is that it didn't go too far. The physics were actually well done. I felt like, hey, 
bounciness, the characters, the movement, the, the action. I have to give them credit for creating something that felt natural for the world itself. And lately, when it comes to visual effects and a lot of other movies, they don't really fulfill the promise. You know, characters don't have weight. You know, when they have animated characters, vehicles may not have weight. At least this one felt like within the physics and rules of the world, consistent all the way through. So it was a really high quality. It just as yeah. a nice, fun experience at home, watching the biggest screen you have. Futurosity, where can people reach out to you if they would like to uh, debate your opinion in the real world? Oh, please. Oh, hey, I'm available on Instagram, Futurosity VR. Say hello. Let's have a chat. Let's start up a little discussion group. I love chatting about movies, games, metaverse, and more. So I'm always around. Very cool. Well, um, we will see you out there. So thank you, everybody, for teleporting into this Worldcast of Simulation Nation. Pretty you're with us in virtual reality, listening to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, watching Inglorious Technicolor on YouTube. And remember, do subscribe to our Instagram at The Simulation Nation, here at Simulation VR, in our Discord server, and join us Wednesday for our review of the Black Mirror episode from Season 1 called 15 Million Merits. We'll see if it holds up or not. Till then. Stay plugged, my friends.